Welcome to Devil's Food. We're a podcast. Where we get together every Wednesday and we talk about true crime. I love it. It's my favorite day of the week. Me too. It's hump day. Hump day. Yeah, buddy. Man. So before I get into this week's episode, I wanted to tell you something. Oh, yeah. This is a nice, um, uh, a feel-good funny thing before we get into some not feel-good funny things. Keep moving your mic around, and I know for a fact that everybody is going to be able to hear it. I'm really sorry, but I have to position my microphone so I can see my computer. <laughs> but what's our fun, fun, silly little thing? Okay. And I promise I'm not moving my mic anymore. <laughs> so we talked about the Murdoch, Murdoch, Murdo. Whatever they want to call him. Yeah. Alec. Alex. Um... Guess what? Uh, there's been a lot of headlines with him. Mm-hmm. I haven't been keeping up with a lot of it, to be honest. But I saw a headline, and I think you'll enjoy this. Oh, no. What is it? Alec has been receiving love letters. Ew. While in jail. That's some Charles Manson shit right there. I don't know why these pe- these men who go to jail get all these women just fawning over Did them. Did they not see the picture of him with the snot coming out of his nose? <laughs> like... Did they not see that? I don't know. If they followed us on Instagram, I put it everywhere because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> Self-plug, if you're not following us on Instagram, please Follow do. Follow us. We post things on there. Oh, yeah. So if you go to this website, it's on foxcarolina.com. They have all the messages written out. I won't read them all because it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. But for anyone interested, they're all there with the people's names. First name, not last name. And they're all very, like, the same people over and over. Um, so he has a fan club, apparently. Ew. Um, I'm trying to find the ones. Oh, I won't say her name, but if you go on foxcarolina.com, you can see it. Uh, one day she wrote, dot, 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 I think I love you. Dot, dot, dot. And then in a second message, she wrote, I think about you all day, every day. And then the next day she wrote, I swear on my life and on my soul, I'll never say a single word to anyone important or not important. I genuinely care for you. A second message after that. And to clarify, I mean, I won't say anything if you decide to respond. (laughs) Some of these are kind of long. Oh, like people like pour out their hopes and dreams. They're like, oh, I think you're innocent. They're not all love letters. They're just like fan club in general. But there are some that like profess their love to him. And they're, like, the same people. Do these people not realize that he murdered his wife and son in cold blood? Mm -hmm. Like, this one is probably my favorite. Um, She said, I just read a story about Maya Angelou. (laughs) Something stuck out to me that needed to be passed on to you. She said, quote, every storm runs out of rain, end quote. And I think it's what we do when the rain runs out that matters. XX. From her. Ew. (laughs) so i thought that was funny i thought that was quite hilarious i also read that he's trying to get into general population so i don't know what that's all about he's gonna get the shit beat out of him well everyone keeps telling him yo dude not a good idea but that's what he's trying to do but yeah i thought you would enjoy um the love messages and our listeners might enjoy them as well 
I don't know who Destiny is, but she thinks that he's innocent. And yeah, he didn't kill his family. Destiny, if you're listening, you need to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Like, just gather it all up, put it in a bag. Because we can't, <laughs> we can't be doing this. No, some of them are, some of them are kind of boring. I'm not gonna lie, and then some of them are just kind of. Ew, Destiny, you're 28 and you can even send some pics, girl. Mm-hmm. Gross. Mm-hmm. So everyone, look into that. <laughs> I thought it was something else, though. So. Oh, I found the I Think I Love You. Da, da, da. She has one, two, three, four yes, different back to back. ones. It's a lot of the same people. Which, I don't know who has that kind of time on their hands. Oh, there's one from Netflix. Is it really? I didn't see yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. On three thirteen twenty three, gentleman named Mike, and he's like, "Hey, Alex, this is the producer from the Netflix documentary that aired a couple <laughs> weeks ago." These just must be all the emails that come in through the. They're all digital messages that he's received. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Some of them are a little more juicy than others, um, but it's funny. So, thought we'd start off on something lighthearted before we got into something not so lighthearted. Understood. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we are talking about Ed Gein. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I don't really, I feel like I need to put a trigger warning in front of this episode. Um, I don't really know, um, specifically what kind. <laughs> Just know that Ed does some pretty gnarly stuff. Gnarly. Gnarly. He, he... Does all the things. If you have, if you are a queasy person, this episode probably is not for you. Just but putting have, it out there. We have lots of other episodes that are for yes. you. And you are more than welcome to listen to the whole thing. And then when it starts getting gnarly, I can say, hey, fast forward. Press that skip 15 second yeah. button a couple times. <laughs> I hate that it's only 15 seconds. I know. Sometimes you just need to fast forward longer but not our episode because um not our podcast because we're great but some other podcast i like that option <laughs> agreed <laughs> wanted to do like a big name person yeah killer of sorts because we haven't really covered a whole lot of big names and i feel like when you think of true crime you think of like ted bundy jeffrey dahmer and um john wayne gacy mm-hmm. I, I think of them as like the unholy trinity of like true crime of course, yeah. But then there's Ed Gein. We love Ed Gein. Who's kind of, like, in the same realm. He's, like, definitely a big name, but he was, like, before everybody. See, I don't really yeah. know too much about Ed Gein. Oh, you're going to learn today. I know I know the simple <laughs> the simple things, like his nipple belt. I know about that. I'm going to have to bleep that out. Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I feel like everybody knows about the nipple belt. There's a nipple belt. We'll get it. See, I told you guys, he's gnarly. He's gnarly. If you're not into it, sorry. If you thought Richard Cottingham was out here being horrible, biting off people's nipples, just wait. Just, you just wait. All right. So, Ed Gein was born Edward Theodore Gein on August 27th, 1906 in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Hmm. He later became known, uh, just as a little warning for people, he later became known as the Butcher of Plainfield and the Plainfield Ghoul. Oh. But we'll get into that. 
So Ed was the second son to his parents, who were George and Augusta Gein, and he had an older brother named Henry, who was about five years older than him. We have to talk about his parents a little bit. Of course we do. I know everyone has mixed feelings about uh, a backstory. (laughs) Backstories are very much needed for this. I think backstories are important, especially for somebody who does something so heinous. You kind of have to know how we got there. It plays a big part of it. So Augusta, she was said to be a pretty, pretty large, sturdy woman. Hmm. Same. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> and she had a gnarly uh, RBF. She had some resting bitch face. I'm waiting for it. Same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was just not a very likable person in general. Mm-hmm. You can't say same for that. I, I want to, though. You're not. Okay. I'm trying to hold it back. Okay. She was described as being very domineering and kind of a bitch. To be perfectly honest. George, on the other hand, was more slender. He was a lot more timid and quiet. It was believed that Augusta married George because she could kind of basically boss him around. Uh, but no one really knows what uh, George liked about Augusta. He just kind of was there. Sometimes you just, <laughs> you're in those relationships and he just exists. Yeah. I think that's exactly uh, how this is described. I think he just kind of existed. Oh, no. There. Poor guy. Yeah. So, Augusta hated George, uh, and she made it known that she did. I'm pretty sure, like, she loved him enough to get married, but she just has a weird mental psyche about things, and she just hates George. I'm so confused. I know. <laughs> she hated him. Uh, she hated him because he was an alcoholic. Okay. And he could not keep a job. Um, he, Yeah, he just kind of jumped around from job to job, couldn't really hold anything down um he would also go to the local bar he'd get drunk and he'd come home and basically when he would get drunk that was the only time he kind of had the nerve to say anything to her Mm -hmm. otherwise he just didn't say anything at all so during these times when he would come home uh, i guess they would get into it and it it would end up in him beating augusta oh geez when he was drunk um and basically during these times augusta would scream out to god and ask him to kill george in front of their children sometimes. Oh. Yeah. Um, Augusta would not allow George to actively be a part in how the boys were raised. Like, he was around. But he had no say in, like, child-rearing roles. Nothing. He was just there. He was there. Uh, but it's because she wanted to have so much control over what they did. But yeah, she handled the child-rearing so she could instill her beliefs into their sons. Because she was an extremely religious woman, and she kept Henry and Ed to very, very strict standards. She taught them that the world was full of sin and immorality, drinking was evil, and she believed that all women were naturally promiscuous and were instruments of the devil. You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. The water boy. I was waiting for it. (laughs) It's a devil. Bobby Boucher. (laughs) Half poos, Paul. Sorry. Yeah, I love old Adam Sandler movies. There's no way that, like, his mama wasn't based <laughs> off of this woman. I think uh, Kathy Bates, that character, is so much more likable. But I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I love Kathy Bates. She's She ties into our next episode, too, so be oh, waiting yeah. for that. 
anyway. <laughs> so Augusta hated women. Hated women. Uh, they were just vessels of sin and evil. They spread de- disease wherever they went. And basically they could just do nothing right in her eyes. Oh. Now, granted, she's a woman. I don't know why, why she thought that or how she thought about herself. But she hated women and she raised her boys to have the same mindset. Ugh. That, that's how you make serial killers. Mm. That's how you <laughs> raise horrible people. Yeah. So every afternoon she would reserve time to read to the boys from the Bible. But mainly only the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. So for anyone who does not know if they weren't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't. I was. Um, these are probably the least fun books in the Bible. That's when there's a lot of death and murder and mm. Armageddon and not a lot of sunshine and rainbows. Got it. But those were the ones that, like, she really... The fire and brimstone kind mm-hmm. of deal. Got yeah. it. All the rules are kind of listed out there of everything you can't do. And not only did Augusta do all the child raising and tending to the home, but she was also the breadwinner. Oh. So George was basically just not useful. He at all. He could have just walked away like the swamp. I feel like Augusta would have been fine with that. Yeah. Uh so she owned a grocery shop and she eventually just sold it because she believed where they lived was just full of sin and immorality. So she sold the shop and moved the family to Plainfield, Wisconsin, which is where all the crimes take place yeah. later on. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh there was only about six hundred people in the whole town. The nearest neighbor to them was over a mile away, and the family lived on a 155-acre farm in complete isolation. That's goals right there. hmm I mean, honestly, I would love that. Yeah, same. <laughs> I mean, not for her situation, because she took advantage, but I would like that. <laughs> I would like that, too. Um, the sons were only allowed to leave the farm to go to school, and if they weren't at school, they were forced to doing farm chores, and Augusta teaching them all of augusta's ways mm. mm-hmm. i was very shocked actually that she even let the boys go to school considering how strict she was but they also weren't allowed to make friends oh if they tried or even talked about making a friend augusta would punish them oh jeez. yeah because she saw friends as a temptation that would lead her sons into sin this one was a whack job oh yeah so the school was very small where they went. It was a one-room school with only 12 kids for the whole town, basically. A very small school. Classmates and teachers said that they remembered Ed to be shy, and he had strange mannerisms. I mean, he, the way he's raised, yeah. I, can only, I can only assume he'd be a yeah. little off. Uh, the most common thing was that he would randomly laugh. Like, he was laughing at his own jokes, but nobody would hear anything. So he's just sitting there giggling to himself. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, laughing through his own jokes, but, like, no one was, like, he didn't hear anything. He didn't say it out loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, hmm. But I think it was, like, a common thing. It wasn't, like, a one-time deal. I wonder if it was, like, a nervous twitch, and he oh. would just giggle to himself. I don't know. A funny, goofy guy. <laughs> goofy little Ed. <laughs> but despite being strange, they didn't really notice anything that was, like, concerning, I guess. I feel like that's going to be taken 
weird considering I said he was just laughing to himself. But nothing, like, really stood out to anybody about him being weird other than, like, oh, he's just, like, that weird guy on the farm. Like, he wasn't, like, violent or no. anything. Yeah. Um, he also did well in school, um, and he enjoyed reading, so he did fine. Ed was made fun of a lot. He had a growth on his eyelid eyelid that made him have a lazy eye. Aww. And he also had some kind of lesion on his tongue that made him talk a little weird. So, I mean, it was yeah. just things that, like, kids easily can make fun of. Yeah. That, on top of all the social awkwardness he probably had, didn't go over well. Probably not. Mm-mm. So, Ed would often come home from school crying and upset because the kids would make fun of him. And his father would beat him in the head to the point that his ears would start ringing. Oh, poor Ed. I know. Um, and during a psych- uh, psychiatric evaluation, Ed remembered a time that when he was a child where he fell down the stairs and his mother was there to save him. However, he also remembered that his mother was the one that pushed him down. I'm I'm trying to look for words for this. Like, mm-hmm. your mama's going to push you down the stairs, but then she's also there to save you? Yeah. I don't yeah. know about that. Yeah. Another memory that he had was that when he was around seven, he saw his parents slaughtering the pigs. Now, they would not let the kids go where they were when they were slaughtering the animals. That was, like, a a rule that they had. However, uh, Ed wandered into the area that day, and he saw that that his parents were covered in blood, and Augusta was gutting the pigs. Mm. Um, Let's just say Ed had an unusual response. What was his unusual response? Because I grew up on a farm. I grew up helping my dad mm-hmm. slaughter. Like, um, I'm going to go with this did not happen with the, you. The typical response is, this is happening right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just something that something that's done. Mm-hmm. So what happened with Ed? Let's just say Ed became aroused. Ew. Mm-hmm. I, Ed Gein. Yeah. Get your shit together. Uh, it was never together. Also, when Ed was 12, his mother caught him in the bathtub. Canoodling? Well, well, I, I wrote down examples of what I can call it, because I feel weird saying a 12-year-old did this. Mm. Uh, we'll call it peeling the carrot. Ah. Uh, tugging the slug. Mm. Choking, choking the, the chicken. chicken. <laughs> One could say. One could say. Uh, so she grabbed him by the genitals and told him that they were the curse of a man. Uh. Which, one, if your child is 12, unless your child is handicapped, disabled, something to that effect, do not walk in on them taking a bath. Yeah, no, that's gross. <laughs> like, unless they're yelling, they need help, whatever. Like, leave your child alone. Like, Sam's nine, and he, he takes his own shower. He doesn't need me for that. No, unless, like... They're hollering. They're fine. Like, they, you don't need to walk in. Exactly. And two, there should be no grabbing of, of anything, anything under any circumstance. No. Ever. But apparently that happened. So when Ed was 14, he dropped out of school and he only had an eighth grade education. He still continued to read, um, but now he mo- mainly just worked on the farm. He had a hard time. Uh, because he got to that age where, like, he liked girls. Mm-hmm. Like, he was attracted to girls. However, he had, like, this weird internal battle of, like, what was right and what was wrong because his mother convinced him that women were horrible. Like, they're 
these sinful, terrible mm-hmm. devils. So he couldn't quite, in his mind, figure out, like, why am I attracted to them mm-hmm. if they're so bad? If they're... Uh... And also, like, he did not know how to interact with them because the only woman he talked to was his mother. And it probably wasn't the best interactions either. I'm going to go with probably not. So Ed and his brother lived at home well into their adulthood. Um, Both were pretty isolated. They didn't really date. Um, I couldn't find a whole lot of information about Henry, but it seemed like they were both pretty well stunted in the romantic Mm -hmm. department. Obviously. I could see I could see yeah. why. And when Ed was around 21, which would have made Henry about 25, 26, were still at home, and their mother made them a promise, made them promise to always remain virgins. In their 20s. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big, a big thing to ask with somebody. Yeah. She also repeatedly told them from the time they were kids, basically their whole lives, that they would be failures like their father and not amount to anything. That's not something that you tell a kid. No. No. Augusta? The worst. Was pretty bad. So by the time Ed was 30, his father was a complete invalid due to his drinking. Mm-hmm. He couldn't work. Uh, he barely worked on the farm. And he always drank more than what the family could afford. So the entire family basically hated him, thanks to Augusta. But now they didn't really have a choice. He had to depend on the people that hated him to survive Mm -hmm. and to take care of him. And they hated him in the process. So I can't really imagine the shit show that home was. If everybody hates you, you just need to leave. I don't think he could. Go be homeless. I I don't. Yeah. I guess he felt like he didn't have an option. I guess so. Because he didn't have money. I probably convinced him that he didn't have an option. That's true. She probably told him. No one loves you. You're not going anywhere, basically. Narcissist. Mm-hmm. Gross. So, uh, this meant that Ed and Henry had to take, basically step up and take care of the family because their dad and mom weren't working. Mm-hmm. So, Ed and Henry, they worked the farm, but they were also handymen and they they worked odd jobs. Got it. They were known to be reliable and trustworthy and honest, and no one ever had any issues with them. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Ed was also a babysitter in the community. Love to hear that. Which, I know, sounds super shocking. We haven't got to the shocking parts yet, but you're like, huh, that's weird. Apparently, he was great. Maybe he just really liked kids. He he said that kids loved him, and he... Kid, whoa. Kids loved him, and he loved the kids. The parents never reported any issues. Even after everything came out later on, no one ever had any issues with him. Oh. He said he related more to kids i mean he's got an eighth grade education yeah and is stunted and, and so. also the kids didn't judge him as much as the adults would that's fair but between ed gein and myra henley from the moore's murders they mm-hmm. were both apparently these amazing babysitters i've just come to the conclusion uh, my kids never leaving the house <laughs> because apparently they were both great you never know if a serial killer is going to be your babysitter. You That's just, true. You just don't know. That is true. April 1st, 1940. Whoops. Uh, George died of pneumonic fluid on the lungs at the age of 66. Mm. Augusta blamed his death on his weakness of alcohol and said he was going to hell. Saw that coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. So when Ed was 39, Henry was 44. 
And just so you're aware, we're not talking about children here. These are full grown ass men. Yes. Um, Henry approaches Ed to tell him that he's now concerned about how attached and how dependent Ed was with his mother. Mm. I think out of the two, Henry had more sense about him. Like, he wanted to go out. Like, he wanted to get married. He wanted to have a family. He wanted to leave Augusta. He wanted to leave the farm. Um, Ed never had those desires. So when Henry was telling him all of that, all of what he wanted, plus his concerns with Ed and his mother, and also Henry kind of let it slide that uh, he did not like Augusta. Oh. He didn't idolize Augusta in the way that Ed did. I wonder if it's because he was older. Maybe. Um, I don't really know exactly. But Ed saw, like, his mother was, like, on a pedestal. Like, mm-hmm. she was a saint. She did no wrong. He idolized that woman. So when anyone said something kind of not so great, he didn't really understand why. Uh. So when Henry came forward and told him all this stuff, let's just say Ed was mortified. He was shooketh. He was less shooketh. That kind of definitely put a little bit of divide in the brothers. So on May 16th, 1944, Henry and Ed had a burn pile on the property to kind of get rid of the overgrowth and Mm -hmm. things of property. So they had a fire going and the fire got out of hand and they couldn't control it. Oh. Uh, The local fire department came and they got the fire out, but they realized Henry was missing. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. No one realized it until kind of after the fire was out and chaos. the chaos had settled down. Um, Ed reported him missing, and a search party was formed. And they went out, and they they went out at night, and they found Henry face down, away from everything. Uh, he was covered in soot. However, he was not burned. I'm giving you a side eye right Side now. eye. To which Ed said, quote-unquote, funny how that works. Yeah, Funny, Ed. Mm-hmm. Funny, isn't it? Funny, ain't it? Mm. <laughs> so nothing looked off, in a sense. It didn't look like a murder. It didn't look like a murder. Mm. Um, they did say that there was bruising around his head, but it, they never... There was no autopsy done. There was nothing done. Um, so his death was ruled as a heart failure and just... Mm-hmm. Kind of went away. Didn't he say he was like 44? Mm-hmm. Heart failure? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I think later on it got changed to asphyxiation. That's where I read in one article, but I don't mm-hmm. know how they managed to change it if they didn't do an autopsy. But I don't know. Maybe Ed confessed to something somewhere Maybe. along the lines. Um, everything was just kind of dropped because police believe they did not believe that Ed was capable of doing something like that. And they just, that was kind of the end of it because there mm-hmm. was no proof and no evidence or anything so we don't know what happened with henry poor henry but it's pretty well speculated that ed did it so so now ed is alone on a farm with his mother just eddie boy and his mama Mm -mm. um and she was not doing well after the death of henry as a mother probably would be, you know. I mean, I'd be real upset if I lost my kid. Yeah. So she was being very, she was very, very upset. She was not doing well with it. Um, and after Henry's death, she suffered a stroke that left her paralyzed. 
and Ed became her full-time caregiver. So during this time, uh, Augusta noticed that uh, Ed's reading some books, and she expressed some concerns about these books. Oh, what are these books about? So she found out he was reading books about the human anatomy. Oh. Not too bad. Head shrinking. Oh. And grave robbing. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Which, based on what he does later, I'm kind of wondering if he knew his mom wasn't in good health. And was trying to figure out a plan on uh, what to do when she died. It sounds like he might might, he might be, have. Yeah. Which, uh, we'll get into that a more details later. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so just so we know just how off her wa- rocker she was. Yeah. With women. Uh, there was an instance during this time period after the stroke. Ed took his mother to go visit a man so they could buy some hay from him. Uh-huh. And they saw this man brutally beat his dog. And the uh-huh. woman that was inside the home came out and yelled at the man and told him to stop. As one would. Yeah, as I would. Mm-hmm. I would go out there and beat the shit out of that man, but yes. that's just me. So Ed's mother was extremely upset. Like, she was distraught over this. But not because the man brutally attacked a dog. No. It was because there was a woman in the house, and they were not married. Which is oh. her fault, obviously. And she did not belong there, and she was a, she was his harlot. Come on, Augusta. I know. Like, that's the problem in this situation. We're not not going to focus on other things, but Mm -hmm. we're going to focus on people living out of wedlock. Whatever. Whatever. Eat rocks, Augusta. She is now. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, So during the time frame of all these, uh, after her stroke and having to be cared for full time, her moods became very hot and cold, which I think they always were, but -hmm. they were, like, amplified now. Probably because of the stroke. The stroke, and also they only had each other now. They didn't have anyone else, like, buffer them. Mm-hmm. So now it was, like, even more intense mood swings. Oh, no. So, like, one day she would totally berate Ed and tell him he was going to hell and he was going to be a failure. And then the next day she would be, like, so sweet and she'd call him a good boy. And then they would sleep in the same bed. That's weird. hmm I agree. Ed, you're an adult now. Yeah. You need to... Wind it back a little bit, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she ended up having another stroke, and her health just went downhill very, very quickly. And she died on December 29th, 1945, and she was only 67. Oh. I'm actually shocked she was not older. But yeah, she was 67. So Ed was completely devastated. Oh, I believe it. He Devastated. Was, he was up his mom's ass. Mm-hmm. He said that his mother was a saint, he lost his only friend, and his one true love, and he was absolutely alone in the world. His one true love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Ed tended to the farm, and he did everything on his own, and he earned money with the odd jobs like he had always done. Um, however, he did end up boarding up rooms that his mother used. Just shutting it down all together? Yeah, like he, uh, which included the whole upstairs, the downstairs parlor, um, in the room, basically any room that she was alive in, mm-hmm. he boarded up. Might as well just board up the whole house. Yeah. Um, so he 
boarded them up and kind of kept it as like a shrine everything in those rooms kept were like very pristine exactly how she left it and he only left um the kitchen and like a small room that he lived in which was downstairs i believe in the house and so those rooms were pristine that were boarded up and then essentially the rest of the house just turned into like a hoarder type of situation um and around this time he started reading he became interested in magazines and stories that tended to be about cannibals and nazis those two things definitely go hand in hand if Mm. i know anything cannibals and nazis yeah. Hand in hand. Yeah. So from the outside looking in, Ed appeared to just kind of stick to himself. He worked his odd handyman jobs. He worked for local road crews when they needed help. And he just kind of stuck to himself and worked to make ends meet. Even though everyone thought he was harmless. Like, he he was a little weird, but he was fine. Like, I feel like um, he was probably that one person everyone's kind of come across with. At some point in their mm-hmm. lives, that's like, he's a little, he's, no, he's a little weird, yeah. but he's harmless. Yeah. You know, I think he was like that type of person. Um, then when everything came out, um, to light, we'll say, uh, they realized that there were some signs that maybe they should have taken more seriously. Yeah, you, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one minor thing was that. Ed had always been kind of rough around the edges. Like, he grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to come in looking like a celebrity, you know. Uh, like, no one, ex- you weren't going to, you know, compliment him on how good he looked. Yeah. Or he smelled good or whatever. But after Augusta's death, his hygiene, like, plummeted. Non-existent. Oh, no. Uh, people talked about how bad he would smell and how unkempt he would look. Mm. Like, just not... Straight up, just not taking care not of Not doing the deed. No. But if you think about it, he's working on a farm. He's sweaty. He's nasty. He probably boarded up the bathroom so he couldn't take a shower. I don't know, honestly. I didn't think to look at that one. We'll go with it. <laughs> um, also, something happened. At Tell some me about point. it. So, a 51-year-old tavern worker named Mary, Ho- Mary Hogan went missing at the tavern that she worked at. Oh. Um, a night after she worked, she went missing, and the next day, police found a puddle of blood behind the bar. Mm. But Mary was nowhere to be found, and the police had nothing to go on. She literally just vanished. No one knew where Mary went. And Ed was a somewhat regular at this tavern. Mm-hmm. Um, so people would see him there, and everyone knew Mary, so they'd be like, oh, I wonder where Mary... Like, you know, just comments about Mary. He would make jokes... Like, oh, yeah, she spent the night at my house last night. She's staying at my place. You don't make those kind of oak jokes, Ed. You just, that's not something that you do. Mm-hmm. Which, everyone thought was weird. Like, it didn't rub anyone the right way. Mm-hmm. But everyone just kind of thought that they were just jokes and not good taste. Like, they just kind of chopped it off as, like, Ed's kind of weird. He's kind of by himself. He doesn't really know how to socially act. Uh, and I mean to be fair it's it's not validating this at all <clears throat> but like I feel like everyone's kind of crossed paths with somebody who makes those horrible jokes like not funny jokes yeah and like you just don't like they'll say things and you don't know what to say to them mm-hmm. but you don't ever think of like oh they did something bad yeah so 
we've all had those type of run-ins. But I'm always worried that I'm the person that's making the really bad jokes, the unfunny jokes. I'm 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 the Ed Gein. <laughs> it's me. Hi. I'm the problem, problem is me. <laughs> um so the day after she was killed, Ed was working with a man named Elmo. It's always a weird weird ass name. Elmo Uick. Uick. And he told Elmo that he killed Mary and Mary was hanging in his house. Oh. Elmo thought he was just joking. Oh. And didn't do anything about it. Elmo. No. No, honey. So, I know weird people make strange jokes, but if anyone says that they just blatantly killed somebody, you report that. You report it. Even if it's just a joke. Just do your due diligence. I was just listening to a a morbid episode where they they were talking about this teenager in England who was joking about killing his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You don't joke about stuff like that. It's like no one's going to be mad at you. For doing too much. They'll get mad at you for not doing enough. Yes. Just do do the things. Do the thing. So, here we go. Here we go. The downfall of Ed Gein. Dun, 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 dun. On November 16th, 1957, in Plainfield, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warren was returning from a day of hunting. It was the first day of hunting, so a lot of men from the town were out doing hunting things first day of hunting season they all had to get their mm-hmm. get their keep in yep so frank's mother was 58 year old bernice warden she ran the local hardware store she had ran the place for over 20 years by herself since her husband died and so she was a staple to the store and she was religiously there just about every day without fail so at around 5 p.m which was the end of the day frank arrives at the hardware store to find that the doors are locked Mm. He ended up breaking into the store and found that the cash register was open and empty and there was a pool of blood behind the counter. Oh no. A local resident reported seeing the store the store's truck being driven out of the rear around 9:30 a.m. But since it was hunting season, no customers had come in that day. So no one there was just nobody around to see what happened. Nobody tried to open know. the door, or if they did, I guess they just assumed, oh, it's hunting day, whatever, mm-hmm. went on about their business. So while looking at the store, Frank found a receipt written by Bernice for antifreeze. That's when Frank had a light bulb moment. So he remembered being in the store the day before with his mother, and a local man came into the store talking and just chit-chatting. That man was Ed Gein. It always is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, Ed was pretty quiet. He stuck to himself for the most part. So, it stood out to Frank that he just kind of hung around and talked. Um, and during that conversation and small talk, Frank mentioned that he would be out of town for hunting. And at some point, Ed said that he would come back to the store later to buy antifreeze. Hmm. So, Frank was immediately suspicious of Ed. And he told the other police. Um, and they all went to go find him. So, Ed was found. And Frank asked about his mother. For a second, I thought I said Frank was found. I was like, oh, no, we found Frank. He's here. (laughs) You said Ed. You're good. Okay. So Frank found Ed, and he asked about his mother. And he said, quote, I had nothing to do with it. But he was immediately brought into custody, and a search was done on his property. Oh, no. So Ed was arrested 
I believe they found him at a grocery store. In the... Whew. Washera. <laughs> I know, I butchered that. Washera. The Sheriff's Department. <laughs> I'm going with that. The Sheriff's Department searched the Gein farm. And they found a lot more than what they bargained for. This is where all the trigger warnings come in. Oh, no. I'm not even going to list trigger warnings because I don't even know what they would be. So, if you need... If you feel you need a trigger warning, skip forward. <laughs> At least we gave you one. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get gnarly. Initially, police are completely overwhelmed with the stench of decomp. I know what that smelled like. Mm-hmm. So, in a shed on the property... They found Bernice's decapitated body hanging upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes on her wrist. It's because he grew up slaughtering animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was cut from the vagina to the sternum. Mm-hmm. And her torso was, quote, dressed out like a deer. Mm. Mm-hmm. She had been shot with a twenty two caliber rifle. So thankfully, if there's a thankfully to be said, she was dead. When all this happened. Yeah. It wasn't like he did this to her alive. It, it sounds like he went through the processes <laughs> of slaughtering. Because you would knock out your animal using a rifle or a air gun. And then you would go along with the dressing of the animal. Yeah, that's what he did, that's, basically. Uh. So that's not the end of it. So the discovery of the body then prompted a search on the inside of the house and the rest of the property. Where they found a lot. I could imagine. It's that game. Um, yeah. It took an entire week to search the house. Oh, my God. Yeah. You ready for this? I'm ready for this. Bring it. All right. Here we go, people. They found whole human bones and fragments of bones, a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin seat covers, skulls on his bedpost, female skulls with the tops cut off. So they could be bowls. Oh. Yeah. Um, they found organs in the fridge. So was he eating? Or just saving? I don't we know. don't know. Okay. It's kind of up to your imagination. Ugh. Uh, This one is something. A corset made of a female torso skinned from the shoulders to the waist complete with breast. Wow. Leggings made from human skin, leg skin. Uh, masks that were made from the faces of people were mounted to the walls. They found Mary Hogan's face, face mask, sorry, in a paper bag. They found Mary Hogan's skull in a box. I'm just making a face. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just being quiet. I'm just over here taking it all in, making faces, oh, thinking yeah. about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, we'll get to that, too. Oh, no. Uh, Bernice Warden's head was in a burlap sack. And nails had been hammered through each ear and connected uh, with twine. This was done so it could be hung up for decoration. Bernice's heart was in a plastic bag in front of the stove. In a shoebox, he had nine vulvas. A lot of vulvas. That's a lot. That's more than you need. I only have one. I only have one, and it's not in a shoebox. Nope. <laughs> um, a young girl's a young girl's dress in the 
quote, the vulvas of two females judged to have been around 15 years old. Oh, jeez. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. I think is like the you know like the yeah. little plastic tip at the end that you yeah. grab. I think he used lips to open the window. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, he a lampshade made out of the skin of a human face. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fingernails from female fingers. They found bones. Bones were buried in a trench on the farm. Uh, they found a skull with a gold tooth that they believed to belong to a man. And, drumroll please, a belt made of female nipples. We love the nipple belt. Also, you can find pictures of all of his crafting online. That's what I'm actually looking at right yeah, now. Yeah, you can find the lamp in the seats and everything. It's all there. Giving you a second to look up all that. Taking a second to look at it. Yeah. Mm. It's I could lot. only imagine. The stink. The smell. They said they were overwhelmed. It was horrible. I've been in situations where I was overwhelmed, but I could only, I just couldn't imagine. Mm-mm. So naturally, they questioned Ed about his collection. Of course they did. At first, he was silent, but as the the story goes, he was offered a slice of apple pie with cheese in exchange for a confession. I'm sorry, an apple pie with cheese? It's like a Midwest thing. Got it. I actually want to try it, because I've heard it's like a thing. I don't know. I've heard it's good. It's a thing. Google it. I am. She's Googling next to her face lamp. That's the first thing that comes up. Apple pie with cheese. Mm-hmm. I want to try it. That might be a, an idea we have. I'm sorry. That looks disgusting. It doesn't look appetizing, but I think people who like it love it. But it's like a Midwest thing, I'm pretty sure. Midwest people are fucking wild. They love their cheese, man. They're wild, then. So, uh, Ed confessed to the murder of Bernice Warden. Uh, I read a few different articles that said different things. In one article, he said that he was in the shop, and he was looking at a gun on the wall, and um, just kind of took it off the wall, and while, while he was looking at it, it went off and it, shot Bernice. It just happened to go off. You know, it just happened to go off, and he was like, well, I guess I'm going to dress her like a deer. I don't guess so. I guess as one does. I don't know. I mean, that's really the only option you have. <sighs> he thought so. That's not what happened. I think that was more like the defense team's version of what happened. Yeah. A more believable believable version of what happened was that Bernice was opening the store, and when she unlocked the door, Ed snuck in behind her, locked the door behind him mm-hmm. before she even realized it. Probably didn't even know he was in the store. Probably not. He went to the back of the store, grabbed a gun off the wall. Uh, if you remember, he came in before talked to bernice and frank so he knew what gun was there he knew what kind of bullet it needed so he brought his own bullet loaded up the gun oh shot bernice in the head dragged her body to the back of the store through the back door where his car was and then he went back inside to steal the money which was only 41 dollars a whole whopping 41 dollars uh, yeah yeah 
Oh my goodness. Ed also confessed to the murder of Mary Hogan, who he had killed three years before mm-hmm. all this happened. So she went three years without no leads, no nothing. Uh, he said he had visited the tavern a few times and he became transfixed with her. Obsessed. Uh, Ed was infatuated with this woman because physically she reminded him of his mother. Ew. Mm-hmm. But Mary Mary was known to have more of a quote-unquote foul mouth, foul mouth with a trashy history. So, Ed was intrigued by this idea that someone could look like his mom, but was the complete opposite of her. Mm. Mary was probably the kind of woman that Augusta always talked about. <laughs> probably. Um, so, one night, he went to the tavern, and he waited for all the customers to leave, and Mary told Ed that she was closing up, so he had to leave soon. Mm-hmm. Without a word, he walked up to her, shot her in the head, killing her instantly. He then dragged her to the back of, to where his car was and took her to the farm. Mm. Police could not find any trace of her until they found parts of her in his house. That is just... That's yeah. just out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Ed confessed to the mur- these two murders and that he picked these women because they were middle-aged. They were kind of plump. Mm-hmm. Plump ladies. Voluptuous. Because they reminded him of his mother. Um, it didn't take long for investigators to think, well, you know, Ed, you just confessed to two people. But you're collecting, you know, nipples like Pokemon cards. Right? Like, where where's all these people at? I wonder if because he was targeting people like his mom, if he had some weird fantasy about killing his mom. It makes well, it makes you wonder. Ish. Oh. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. Got it. I'll keep my mouth shut. So he Ed told investigators about a year and a half after his mother died, the loneliness was really setting in. <laughs> Sorry, I had that Britney Spears song coming to my head, you know. My loneliness is killing me in the... Sorry. So, he visited her grave all the time. Like, that was just what he did. But it started to become more and more frequent, and at night. And he started having this quote-unquote strange vision. This vision uh, was that he would dig up his mother's grave, open the coffin with his bare hands and rip her head off oh so he did want to harm his mom mm-hmm. at least he had a vision that told him that he wanted to well eventually um he he did it he did it he had this vision and i guess it became overpowering and he did it i wonder if boy boy was like schizophrenic or something yeah he i think he got diagnosed later oh okay um so he then took it home and shrunk it like how he had read about um so ed claimed that between 1947 and 1952 he made around 40 visits to three local graveyards a lot of visits to graveyards he would scope out the local obituaries and when he would find a recently deceased middle-aged woman that would fit um the description of his mother basically mm-hmm. he would go to the fresh grave with the intention of exhuming the body that is disgusting yeah um so he said he would get into a quote-unquote days like state during these trips 
And he said that around 30 of those visits, he would wake up from that daze and he would stop what he was doing and he would leave with nothing. Oh. But not all of them. Not all of them. But I mean, a good chunk of them, he went and just didn't do anything. But he intended to. He intended to. Mm -hmm. The intention was there. Yeah. So the times that he did not wake up from that daze, he would dig up the grave, he would steal the bodies or parts of the bodies fill the grave back up and take the corpses back home where he would become a DIY queen. We love a good DIY queen. <laughs> Man, digging up those graves had, had to be hard work. How do you stay in a daze when yeah. you gotta dig? That takes hours. That's four to six feet. Yeah. So he said uh, he did have an accomplice that he only was only ever referred to as Gus. Oh. Yeah. So, Gus was someone that he knew for a while, and I guess he talked about what he wanted to do, like, what he had read in these books. And Gus was like, cool, sounds legit, I'll help. Gus. So, Gus helped him with these graves, but he wasn't involved in the other dealings. Got it. So, Gus was eventually admitted into a nursing home. So, when Ed no longer had help, he couldn't continue to do everything on his own. Because it would be a lot for one person in one night without being caught yeah. to do all that. And he wasn't like a spring chicken. Like, he was an, a little older at this point. That's fair. So, that's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. So, he admitted to stealing from nine graves and told the investigators which graves and the locations that he stole from. Investigators weren't really sure if they believed him or not because it was just so far-fetched. So they decided that they picked um, three graves that he said he stole from and exhumed them to see. Oh, kind of no. like a test to like, okay, if he's telling the truth, we'll start with these. So each grave was exhumed and they were exactly how Ed described. Graves. So one was completely empty. One only had a crowbar inside. <laughs> and the third one only had part of the body in the casket. Uh. Yeah. So, he was telling the truth. Yeah, at least he was an honest man, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Ed told investigators that he began essentially making a woman bodysuit. He wanted to be a out woman. Out of the flesh. So, he could wear it and become his mother and literally crawl into her skin. Some Buffalo Bill shit right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he would wear it, um, the complete suit with the legs, the torso, everything. Had little boobies. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he would wear it at night at home, and he would even um, tuck his junk. Tuck his, tuck his wiener? Tuck, tuck the wiener and pretend to be a woman. Huh. huh. However, he did deny having sex with any of the bodies because they smelled bad. Only because they smelled bad. Ed, you smell bad, my guy. I don't know if he thought that made it better. I mean, I'm not complaining. Thank you for not defiling those bodies but, in that way. I mean, he was still but, cra- literally crawling into their skin. Yeah. Because I guess that smelled better. That's probably why all the townspeople thought he stunk so bad. Probably. Well, no thanks. Um, and during the time frame of Ed Spree, there were a lot of unsolved disappearances. Hmm. He never admitted to any of them, but it's often wondered if they're connected. 
These include um, eight-year-old Georgia Weckler, who went missing on her way home from school. Uh, 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley, who was abducted while babysitting. And there were two hunters that were Victor Travis and Ray Burgess, who went missing. Um, They've never been officially connected, but... Plainfield is a pretty small, it's a small town. Things don't just happen. Yeah. So it's pretty likely. Mm. But there's no real proof. Yeah. So a 16-year-old came forward. Uh, He knew Ed. His parents knew Ed. And they all, like, were friendly. Whatever. Yeah. Um, He told police that Ed kept shrunken heads at his house. And that Ed told this kid that they were relics from the Philippines because his cousin sent them to him while he was serving in World War II. I'm sorry. If I walk into somebody's house and I see shrunken heads, I'm yeah. going to nope right on out of that and probably go to the police and be like, mm-hmm. this guy says this, but I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. So police found the shrunken heads from the home. And um, no surprise, they were not from the Philippines. I'm shocked. They, you know, they were not. Um, Ed was questioned by Sheriff Art Shelley, or Sheely, um, who was one of the officers that went to the farm and saw everything. So the sheriff was not well after seeing all this. I could imagine. So the sheriff reportedly assaulted Ed by banging his head into the brick wall during an interrogation. Oh, jeez. Which is completely understandable. I get it. But made Ed's first confession inadmissible. So Ed's crimes traumatized this poor man so much, he ended up dying from heart failure at the age of 43. And the sheriff's friend said, quote, he was a victim of Ed as surely as he had butchered him. And between the trauma of everything he saw Mm -hmm. and also the stress of knowing he assaulted Ed and now he was, he would have to testify basically about that. He, he died literally right before the trial started. He just healed out yeah because everything ed did was so stressful gruesome yeah he just couldn't handle it truck truck um so november 21st 1957 ed gein was arraigned on one count of first degree murder and pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity ed was diagnosed with schizophrenia and determined to be a sexual psychopath and he was determined to be mentally incompetent and unfit to stand trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, which is a maximum security facility. And he was later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital. So psychologists and doctors were completely fascinated by him. Um, they wanted to know everything. They wanted to talk to him and evaluate him. Like, he talked to a lot of people because... They just wanted to know everything about he him. He was, like, the first of his kind. Like, they had nothing to go on. Like, he was the first, and, like, they just couldn't get enough of him. And there was also, like, this huge question about, like, his sexuality Mm -hmm. and his gender identity because of the nature of his crimes. Yeah. Everything was just so fascinating. Like, they just couldn't get enough of it. Um, So, while Ed was in the institution, uh, the media went wild with what had happened. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to go to Plainfield, Wisconsin. They They wanted to go check it out. So, reporters would ask locals about Ed, um, and although most of them would either, they just either wouldn't talk at all, or they would say, like, Ed, they knew Ed, but he was, like, 
in general, like, a good guy. They didn't expect it. la da 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 They knew him to be a little weird or make strange jokes, but no one knew what he was capable of. Mm. Uh, the Gein Farm was set to be auctioned off in 1958, and people from everywhere wanted to see what was up for grabs. What the hell? Mm-hmm. So people flocked to see what was available, and the people of Plainfield were pissed. They said they believed Ed's home was becoming a, quote, museum of the morbid. It was bringing in a lot of unwanted attention and giving Plainfield a bad name and bringing people in for the wrong reasons. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Imagine all those people who wanted, like, human paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. You would, I feel like that's just disrespectful. Yeah. Well, it's like, um... I think it was the Moore's case. Like, people would just show up to the house and, like, chip away pieces of the house and Ugh. take it with them. People are weird. People are weird. So, during a cleanup of the house, a cleaning crew was ordered to set a garbage fire to get rid of any debris that was there. The fire was set up about 75 feet away from the house, and someone said that the fire got out of hand and burned the house down to the ground. That was revenge. That was Henry's revenge. Mm. So even though there was no evidence that the bonfire trailed over to the house, mm-hmm. um, it was heavily believed it was arson. Hmm. Um, and also, the current fire chief, Frank Warden, Bernice's son, yeah, wasn't uh, too worried about putting that fire out super quickly and not super pressed about, you know, investigating. If I were him, I would be like that too, so I completely understand. You know, everything was officially done as it should, but I will say... It took a minute or two. It took a minute or two. And also, there was no trail from the fire to the house, meaning somebody probably took a piece of the fire, like on a stick, and just, and just carried it over. Yeeted it on in. Yeet. So, Ed was told about the fire while he was locked away. He just shrugged and said, just as well. <laughs> I thought, I thought, what about your mama's shrine, buddy? Yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. However, his car survived, and it was auctioned off. Mm. Ed's 1949 Ford sedan that he used to haul the bodies was sold at auction to a carnival sideshow. The guy paid 760 bucks for it, and he charged people 25 cents to see it. Carnival sideshows are wild. Back in the day, man, they were something. Uh, so, ten years after Ed was initially institutionalized, he was deemed fit to stand trial. Okay. Trial officially started November 7th, 1968, for the murder of Bernice Warden. The defense requested no jury, so Judge Robert Gomar Gomar presided. The trial lasted one week, and the defense basically said that Ed went to the store, mishandled the gun, and it discharged killing Bernice. Sure. Mm -hmm. Ed also claimed he didn't really remember much else from that day. After that happened, you know. So, November 14th, the judge found Ed Gein guilty. There was another trial that questioned Ed's sanity and everything, and a lot of doctors talked for both the prosecution and the defense, and the judge ended up ruling that Ed Gein was not guilty by reason of insanity, but was ordered to be committed to the Central State Hospital for the crim- criminally insane for the rest of his life. Mm. Um, the judge said that Quote, due to prohibit, hmm. 
prohibitive cost. <laughs> I had to think about that one. Ed Gein was tried for only one murder of Mrs. Warden. However, he also admitted to killing Mary Hogan. So basically saying, we know he killed Mary. We know what he did. But he's going to be spending the rest of his life put away anyway. So we're not going to put the money into another trial. While that's fair, it's still Technically, not Mary did not get justice. No. And all those, like all the graves, all that didn't get justice. Mm-mm. Um, every, they just kind of were like, uh, we know he's guilty. He's, we're not going to put money into it. I hate that. I mean, I I get it. I understand, but I still hate it. Yeah. They just didn't want to put the resources into finding everything. Whatever. (sighs) Whatever. Don't agree. Don't agree either. Uh, Ed was said to be the perfect patient at the institution. In fact, people said that he was thriving like he had never done before ever in his life. Oh. He was live laugh loving he was doing great i hate that for him he did stick to himself and he would read to him like just by himself uh but he would talk to patients and he was super friendly um it was noted that he gained some weight while he was there because he had to eat three meals a day whereas Mm -hmm. when he was on his own he probably didn't eat yeah so he was made to eat he was probably on whatever medications he needed to be on um, he had a bunch of hobbies like stone polishing and rug making and whatever the occupational therapist would basically tell him to do, he did. Stone polishing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it was the only time in his life that he had like structure and mm-hmm. all, and he did great, which I kind of hate that he, I hate that he's thriving. Yeah. Or that he was thriving. Yeah. Um, they said, well, I'm glad he got the help he needed. But it's like, mm, God. Okay. They said the only thing that was ever weird was that he would see the female staff um, and he had a tendency to stare at them. Mm -hmm. But he never did anything. He would just stare at them. I mean, he was told his entire life Mm -hmm. that women were evil. Yeah. Um, But other than that, they said, quote, if all of our patients were like him, we'd have no trouble at all. Oh. So, Ed died. At the Mendota Mental Health Institute, July 26, 1984. He was 77 years old. He died due to respiratory failure caused by lung cancer. Mm. Uh, he was buried at the Plainfield Cemetery next to his mother, um, with his both his parents and his brother, Henry. Uh, for years, people would visit the grave, and they would chip away pieces of the headstone as a souvenir. Until the whole headstone was stolen. Oh. In 2000. It was found a year later in Seattle, Washington, and instead of returning the stone to the grave, it now sits at the sheriff's department and the gr- the grave remains unmarked because they just got tired of dealing with people. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So Ed was um, kind of the first of what he did. Uh, he was before Ted Bundy. He was before Jeffrey Dahmer, like before any of them were really even mm-hmm. born. So, like, he was, like, the first of his kind. So, he had a huge effect in pop culture and horror movies. You've mentioned several of them, which I have them all listed here. Oh. Um, he inspired a lot of characters. He's, like, the face of horror movies. I mean, as you described it, I was like, that's Texas yeah. Chainsaw. So, that's Silence yeah. of the Lambs. That's- to list a few, we have uh, Norman Bates and Psycho, Patrick Bateman and American Psycho, Leatherface and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs, which you had mentioned. He also inspired the movies uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Three from Hell, and also the Doctor character from the American Horror Story Asylum season. I didn't get his name, but he inspired that character. Um, there's also been countless documentaries and movies and everything. Um, and it's also suspected that Ryan Murphy, who made the Netflix show Dahmer, mm-hmm. based on Jeffrey Dahmer, will eventually do the same for Ed Gein because he was very briefly mentioned mm. in the series, like a little snippet. Yeah. Um, so I guess we have that to look forward to. Well. Uh, I wrote that we can call it Gein's Crafting Hour. <laughs> that could be the name of the show. Like some Martha Stewart shit. Yeah. But with Ed Gein. Yeah. But what's kind of crazy to me about this whole thing was the only reason he got caught is that he killed the wrong person. Yeah. He, could, he probably could have kept going if he would have. Like, so I think, I forgot to mention it, but he basically, like, he intended to just rob graves, but when he no longer had help, he started to kill people so mm-hmm. he could continue to do what he did. Um, but he liked them fresh, obviously, so he could do all of his all this weird all shit. His DIYs. But, like, if he hadn't killed somebody who had somebody that was, wor- like, to look for them and to mm-hmm. get answers, like, he could have gotten away with it his whole life. Ugh. Like, in another world, he could have lived his whole life on that farm, and when he died and they found his property, they'd find it. I'm glad he did get caught. I'm glad he got caught, but it's so wild to me, like, that one decision was, like, the downfall. Wild. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> it's amazing what an intrusive thought will do to a human. That's... Uh, yeah. So that was our first... Well, one of our first big name. I don't think he's a serial killer. Uh, no, he's not technically a serial killer. But he's but, definitely... But he's like a psychopath. Oh, yeah. He has his things, for sure. But anyway, that was that... <laughs> That was fun. Okay. (laughs) Well, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. See you then. Bye. Bye.